While we can't ensure that students will have a safe place at home, we can do our part to guarantee that they at least feel safe while in our classroom. Welcome to Becoming a Mindful Teacher. This is a podcast for educators who want to improve the lives of children by digging deep into the minds of their students and themselves in order to create a space where it is safe to learn. My name is Winter and I am passionate about helping children break through their mental junk in order to become successful little humans. Join me on this journey each week as we delve into the many ways that we can help our students succeed no matter what difficult situations they've experienced. Let's get started. Hi there. I'm so glad to have you with me. Today, we're going to talk about safety because when it comes to trauma and trying to make an environment for students to feel safe, we need to make sure that our classrooms are safe. And so today is uh, one part of a two-part kind of series I'm doing here on safety in the classroom. And this episode is all about ways that students can feel physically safe in the classroom. There, There's different types of safety. And today I wanted to talk about being physically safe. And I wanted to share three ways that you can ensure that your students feel physically safe in the classroom. The first way you can make sure that your students feel physically safe is with a schedule. Some students have an extremely unpredictable home life. They just you know, every day is something they're fearing. And when they come to our classroom, we need to make sure that our classrooms are as predictable as possible because of this. They need that very secure environment. And so we can do that with a schedule. So the first thing I want you to do is to display or state the schedule every day. And I know that's something easy for early elementary teachers. You know, they've got that down. They've got that routine and they go through that schedule. But sometimes I feel like as the grade levels get higher, and so maybe like fourth, fifth, sixth grade, they don't really review the schedule as much. And this is when students are also feeling more and more fear. So I think no matter what grade level you are, providing a schedule and either displaying it or stating it will give them that step base of safety while displaying the schedule, I also want you to identify if there's any changes in their normal schedule and tell them why, if possible. Because just stating, hey, we're going to have, you know, math in the afternoon instead of the morning and not telling them why that's happening, they can also create fear in their mind. They're going to create stories that are going to tell them all of these horrible things of why it's being moved. You might have the, the smallest reason to change it, but in their head, they're going to make it huge. So if it's because there is a special visitor coming in, say, for instance, you're being observed and the principal wanted to see a math lesson, but he was only available in the afternoon, just tell them that. Be like, hey, you know, Mr. So-and-so is going to come in and join us. And so he wants to see math. So he's going to come in in the afternoon. This will make them feel so much more relieved because they know why things are happening. And sometimes I think as teachers, we feel like as adults, we don't need to tell them why. Like the rule is, hey, I'm in charge. So I'm telling you what's happening. I don't need to defend myself. And I guess that's what I'm trying to get at. You feel like you're trying to make excuses for why you're doing things. And it's, it, I don't want you to see it that way. It's more about ensuring their safety and letting them know why things are happening. So the first way to help these students feel safe is with a schedule. The second 
thing that you may feel like is out of your control, and majority of the time it is, is poor classroom conditions. You can't control the status of your building and how safe it is physically in your building. I know thinking back and reflecting on the schools that I've worked in, I have had water leaking through ceilings, sinks not working. I (laughs) attended a school in my high school. I attended, did not have air conditioning. I've worked in schools with no air conditioning. And while our buildings can be in complete disarray and just falling apart, I completely empathize with you. And I know that there's absolutely nothing you can do about that. You can, you know, report things that aren't working, but when trying to get it fixed, that's out of your control. So what I'm going to bring up is that in order to make the best of this situation is I want you to notice your attitude about these conditions. Students will pick up on our attitude about the conditions that we're we're working in. And then they feel like, I need to feel how my teacher feels. So if you walk in every day and the ceiling's leaking and you're like, oh, now I have to go get this bucket and put it under here, the students are going to see that situation as a problem. Whereas if you don't bring attention to it, if it's just like, you know what, this is something that's a part of our day, it's raining outside and all of a sudden now that ceiling is starting to leak, you just very kind of nonchalantly grab that trash can and put it under the leak and just be like, hey, this is something that we have to do. And I'm okay. I'm not going to make a big deal about it because it's not going to interrupt our learning. And then you keep moving. Or with air conditioning, I know that that was horrendous. And one time we had to do state testing while it was like a heat wave and there was no air conditioning. It was the most horrible situation. Kids found it comical because I know one of my teacher friends had had parents donate fans to bring into the classroom, you know, not overloading the electrical outlets, I'm sure. But there was maybe I know the school had ceiling fans already in the classroom. So those were running. And then she had, you know, a little fan up front, a little fan in the back. Um, So it's all about that attitude you put towards that building. They will feel safe if you feel safe. So if you don't see that these disrepair problems are ruining your teaching experience, then they won't allow them to ruin their learning experience. So hopefully you can kind of turn those into a positive. Along with poor classroom conditions that are out of our control, one of the ones that is in our control can be dangerous or unnecessary items. So we want to make sure that those are cleared out. And sometimes we can't control the items that are in our room. So for example, you might get a a student one year that tends to become physically violent. So they may have big outbursts. They may tend to grab a chair when they get angry. And again, we're learning that this is all a trauma response. They are not there to be mean and evil and physical, but it's a response to trauma. So keep that in mind. But we don't want to create an environment that may be dangerous for others. So say you have a student who physically reacts, then maybe that year you do not have scissors kept with the students. Maybe that year they are in little buckets up on the counter. And then when you're doing something that requires scissors, they can go and get that bucket of scissors and bring them over. So that case, it's not readily available to the students. But also, and I don't want to make it sound like 
there's a time when, you know, these students are always physically violent. There was one student I remember who was bored. She was a younger student and she was very smart. And so what would happen is she would take her scissors and, you know, how young children do. She might, you know, take a little snip out of her pants here, maybe a little snip out of her hair here. That would also be a situation where it's possible you just might want to, you know, the kids don't know from year to year what your routines are. If one year you pull those scissors back and they're kept on the counter until you need them, they don't know any different. So that's how it's going to happen. Another way that we can clear any like dangerous or unnecessary items is clutter. I know as teachers, we are pretty much borderline hoarders and anything we see that we think would be awesome to use in our classroom, we get it and we put it in our room and eventually we have a lot of stuff and it's helpful and it can be fun, but at some points it does get cluttery. And so say you're going to do group work well and the students are moving around the room and they're working, I wouldn't want students to feel unsafe because they're tripping over everyone because there's either too much furniture in the room. Yes, we want it to be cute, but we also want our classrooms to be functional. So you'll have to think about that when you're organizing your room. Is it physically safe for your students? Are they going to feel as if there might be a problem? So the first way we want our students to feel physically safe is with a schedule and making sure that they have that routine set every day. And if it's going to change, you're going to make sure to let them know. The second way is to make sure that your room is clear of any dangerous or unnecessary items, as well as if it the, the classroom is in disrepair to also not bring a negative attention to that. The last one I wanted to go over is the physical needs of the students. And that would include either, you know, food, feeling clean, being healthy. So one way you can help these physical needs is with breakfast. The students have such a rough morning. We don't know what they're doing at home. We don't know if they're getting food or not. So breakfast is one way that they can start the day off feeling good about themselves and feeling healthy. Their body is getting nourishment. Again, you don't have control if they do that. And I am not asking you to buy these children breakfast every day. But one thing that you can do is help the families apply if your district does this, for free or reduced lunch. Sometimes the parents don't know what to do. And so they just don't do it. So if you know of a family that maybe their student is coming in and they're hungry every morning, double check and make sure that they have applied for free and reduced lunch because a majority of the schools that I've worked at, you know, provide breakfast for the students. And if they can get it for free and they can just come in, then that is a win for everybody. So help them out with that. Uh, if you can. Another way you can help out is with snacks. I know uh, some teachers provide snacks throughout the day. And when I say provide snacks, I mean they provide a snack time. So a lot of times the parents will send in a snack with their children. But again, some families don't bring in a snack. And I've seen teachers react where a student will come in and they forgot their snack. And the teacher kind of blames them. And they're like, well, I'm sorry, you didn't bring a snack in. So you don't have a snack today. But I want you to stop and think about that. Is it fair, is it fair to ask an eight-year-old to remember the night before that they need to get their own snack? What if their family is not there to prepare it for them? What if, you know, all night their mom was fighting with their dad and they couldn't leave their room because there was fighting? 
So you're holding your student to a standard that is fairly high when it comes to a basic need. So what I want you to do is I do want you to have some snacks on hand in case there is a child who needs it. And you don't have to purchase them. It could be one of those volunteer type positions. Like each month, maybe you have a parent sign up to send in one snack that if somebody were to happen to forget that day, that you can provide that for them. Because remember, food is a basic need. And if they're not getting that, they're not going to be ready to learn. I want them to have a fighting chance. Maybe you have a student that does not arrive in clean clothes. It's possible and it happens. I don't want you to feel helpless though, because again, I know you're a teacher. I'm a teacher. I've been through this and I don't want you to feel like you have to take on all of the burdens of these children. So in this case, what I want you to know is that there are people who can help these children out. I want you to reach out to your school counselor or if you have a school social worker, I want you to reach out to them because there are other people that can help these children. You do not have to be the the one person that is going to help them, even though I know that we know we can. <laughs> we are all superheroes and we help these children so much. But I want you to feel safe in reaching out because I don't want you to think you have to do everything. Um, and you will not be looked down upon. I know some teachers think they look bad if they have to reach out for help. And that is so 100% not true. These counselors are here to help the children too. And but they're not with them all day every day. They don't know that part of what's going on. So if you can reach out and let them know, they would love to do their job and help these students out. So please do that. And also along with physical needs with being healthy is that there are sometimes there are children that come in ill. They come in sick. The parents, you know, fill them full of Tylenol and send them in. And you just know that these kids are miserable when they come in. And I want you to Think of these parents with empathy. I know it's easy to get extremely frustrated with these families that are sending their kids in sick, but just for once, think that it's possible that that parent is not allowed to take off of work because I've had it where the parent said, I will lose my job if I take off one more day of work. I can't do that. Like then they have no money. They're not going to be able to feed their kid. They're not going to be able to, you know, buy the the clothes that they need. So I want you to just have empathy, but also work on skills that might improve this child's health. Again, we talked uh, last episode about the trauma body and how some kids with trauma are very, are consistently sick. What I want you to do is maybe get the nurse involved as well as yourself and just work on those health skills, those, those daily cleanliness skills that the student needs that may help prevent them from getting sick. So work on those hand washing skills possibly work on, you know, if it's toothaches, uh, if they constantly have toothaches, work on the brushing the teeth with the nurse. And again, reach out for that help because you don't have to do it alone. But I don't also don't want you to feel that you are helpless in the situation. There are things that we can do that will help that out. So just to recap, there are three things I want you to do to make sure that the students feel physically safe in your classroom. So the first one was clearly displaying or stating what can be expected from the day in a schedule. It can make a huge difference in the sense of safety for your students. So it's such a small gesture, but it makes a big difference. And then their body won't be in that fight or flight mode the whole day. 
The second one is that you can't control the majority of the poor classroom conditions that you're working in. So I want you to do your best to make sure that these students aren't facing the brunt of the issues. And I want you to make sure that your classroom organization allows the students to feel safe. And thirdly, if your students' physical needs aren't met, then they will never be ready to learn. So I want you to make sure that they're getting the food that they need, they have healthy cleaning practices, and ensure that their basic needs can be met. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, in the show notes, I'm going to leave a link for a download. I've made a PDF. It has 60, I think 60 plus ways to create a trauma-sensitive classroom. So it includes more than just the physical attributes, but it'll get you started on working on that classroom. And I will uh, talk with you next week. Next week, we're going to talk about safety, but in an emotional way. So how are they going to feel emotionally safe in your classroom? I will talk to you next week. Thanks so much for listening. If you're interested in more stuff from me, go ahead and join me on social media. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at a mindful teacher. You can also join my mailing list to be notified when new podcasts are released. Just head on over to my website at amindfulteacher.com. 